This is uh, lecture number 10 in our series, God's Glorious Salvation. And we're talking this morning about unconditional election. Now, by way of review, we have uh, established uh, the biblical uh, doctrine of God's uh, supremacy. We, we might be tempted to even use the, the, the adjective ultimate supremacy or absolute supremacy, uh, but we don't need to <laughs> be, because uh, when we talk about uh, supremacy, we are talking about God being the one who is in charge, period. And um, in, in contrast with that, we've talked about uh, the, 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 the character, the nature of mankind. We spent a good bit of time in Romans chapter 12, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 5, uh, beginning of verse 12, where, where, where Paul argues the point that all men, women, children, are in Adam. We have um, been imputed with the same nature uh, that Adam had after the fall. Now, there are many that would argue that uh, man is born innocent, um, but anybody who has any experience with children knows that um, they are not innocent. They are little devils inside of them. And in, indeed, we, um, we have in, in front of us uh, from the pages of Scripture the very clear declaration that we are all in sin. We are enslaved to sin, enslaved by sin. Willfully do we choose to enter into that kind of servitude. Um, as a as a, a part of our, our fallen state, Scripture uh, declares that we are spiritually dead, Ephesians 2. We have no love for God. We have only a love for ourselves and a love for our sin, John 3. Uh, we follow the God of this world, John, or rather Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and, and consequently, there is not one person who is of the lineage of Adam, not one person who is holy, who can lay claim on God, who can say that there is anything in them that should cause God to look favorably upon them. We call this the doctrine of total depravity, not meaning that we're as bad as we possibly be, can be, but meaning that there is not one area of our life that hasn't been stained, tainted, poisoned by sinfulness. We might use other words to describe this, um, this doctrine. Uh, we might use the word moral inability. We might use the word radically, radical corruption from the Latin word radix, talking about the root, the very heart and core of who we are, it is evil. There is darkness. Now, um, we, we, we put God's holiness and his sovereignty in 
in one bucket, we talk about man's depravity in another bucket, and um, th there is no reason that God has to deal with mankind in a favorable way. He, he is so much other than we are. He is perfectly just. He doesn't need us in any way. Uh, he, he is perfectly just to let us go our own way. We have earned spiritual death, physical death, we have earned a place in heaven. I mean, sorry, in hell. <laughs> um, and God doesn't have to do anything about that. That's a desperate spot. But God doesn't leave us there. And the scriptures are replete from Genesis chapter 3 on. We, we find instance after instance, event after event, promise after promise, that God is not going to leave us in that state. Now, he doesn't have to save any of us. We also know, though, from Scripture, that he doesn't save everyone. He could if he chose to, but he hasn't chosen to. And he's revealed that in Scripture. This is where we get all of our information. It doesn't come from our own mind, our own reasoning, our own imaginations. We affirm what the Scriptures teach. God doesn't have to save anyone. He certainly doesn't save all. But he does save some. Question. On what basis does God choose to save? Well, we might be tempted to say, well, he, he chooses to save those who are really good. Well, let's look at what the scripture says, shall we? Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, verse 4. When the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. God doesn't choose to save us because of our good deeds. Our good deeds are in the eyes of God, what we consider good deeds are in the eyes of God like filthy rags. I've, I've, I've described that word before as it was originally intended. It is very graphic. There is no good thing in the eyes of God. There is no good thing that we do that is purely good. That is is worthy of him saying, I want that one to be in my heaven. So any good deeds that we might call good deeds, Scripture says, well, that is not a reason for God to choose us. Well, um, 
What about the condition of man's faith? Does God choose those who choose him? Is God pleased to welcome into his heaven those people who say, I do, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept him as my personal Lord and, my, and Savior. It, are those the people that God said, oh, that one should come into my kingdom. He needs to be with me. Well, let's think about that for a minute. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul's describing here uh, the natural man, and what he means by that is the person who is, is fallen, unregenerate, um, not saved, we would say. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. He says, a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. And he cannot, that is, he doesn't have the ability, to understand them because they are spiritually appraised. So God says of the natural man, the unsaved man, the unregenerate man, um, uh, the, the person who, who in, his, in his fallenness doesn't want anything to do with God. Of that person, Paul says, he doesn't accept the, the Spirit of God, the things of the Spirit of God. They, they are foolishness to him. Meaning that when you come to, to talk about faith for such a one, that person says, oh, that's foolishness. The unregenerate person does not believe. Be because, as Paul reveals here, that idea of, 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 of putting your trust in, in a in a dead God, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, say that he resurrected. That's fine. Uh, just to put your faith in that, that is foolishness for the natural man. So the natural man is not going to be a person who believes. They will have no faith. He cannot understand the things of God. Because they're spiritually appraised. You have to be um, made alive. You, 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 ha you have to have spiritual glasses in order to perceive spiritual truth. And you don't have spiritual glasses when you are unsaved. All right, tur turn with me to uh, the book of Ephesians. Chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 8, familiar passage. You probably have this memorized. Good thing. It's a great passage to memorize. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Okay, what's the that? What's the antecedent for? that word, that. Faith. 
That's the, that's the, that's the, the idea, the concept, which immediately precedes that word. So we could, we could translate it in a little bit uh, more full way. This is Rob's amplified version. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So faith is not something that comes from within me. It cannot for those who are spiritually dead. It is a gift of God by his grace. So, if we say that God is going to choose those people on the basis of their faith, we're violating the scripture. God doesn't choose people on the basis of their belief. Now, there are some people that will, will argue that, that um, uh, God looks down the corridors of time. He knows all things. And he sees way down there at the end of the road, or toward the end of the road, there's this guy named Rob. What a slob he is. But he believes. Well, I'm going to choose him on the basis of his belief. No, that's, that's, um, that might make sense to our fallen mind, but if we base what we say is true on the scriptures, it doesn't say that. Look with me at, uh, at John chapter 6. Passage of scripture that uh, we spent a good bit of time on as we've uh, been preaching through John in the second hour here. John, um, uh, John chapter 6, verse 44. Um, God doesn't choose on the basis of our goodness, of our, of our faith. Um, my, my sinful condition excludes even the possibility that I come to faith. John chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one. There's a universal condition. No one can come to me. There's, there's a, um, a, a universal inability no one has the ability to come unless the Father who sent me draws him. Now, I had a discussion with one of our men here just this morning, um, and he related a, 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 a joke to me uh, about one who, uh, who, who was talking about um, uh, God drawing men to himself. Some, some have a misconception that this idea of drawing um, re refers to something that is undesirable within us. That is, there is an unwillingness to, uh, to, to, to be drawn. God draws those who don't want to be drawn, is the, 
is, is sometimes the mischaracterization here. When, when God takes out our stony heart, our, 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 our heart that is like a rock that doesn't, doesn't function properly, and he replaces it with a heart of flesh that is able to beat, when he does that, he gives us a new nature, and in that new nature there is a desire, a willingness, an eagerness, not, not only to, 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 to please God, but to know God. I have, at, at that point, uh, a, a, a willingness to come to Christ. Um, no one who, is, who understands the scriptures correctly says that God violates our will. He doesn't coerce us into doing anything. He makes us willing. Um, so, so we still haven't answered the question. How, how is it that God chooses some? He doesn't choose all. He could, but he doesn't. He said so in Scripture. So, so on what basis does he, does he make a choice? Who's going to be in? Who's not going to be in? Turn with me, please, to the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 29. Deuteronomy chapter 29. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, reads this way. The secret things belong to our to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. We know with certainty that God chooses some, not all. On what basis? We don't know. But it has nothing to do with me. Uh, we're going to answer this a little bit more fully in just a few minutes. Let me let me take a step back from this discussion and and uh, uh, show you where we are. Um, in the 16th century, we found the reformers Martin Luther, John Calvin, uh, Ulrich Zwingli. Um, a guy, I'd love to say his name, Echolampadius. Um, there, there are so many, uh, uh, Martin Buser, there, uh, so, so many men that were part of the, the Reformation. They weren't looking to start a new church. They weren't looking to, to, they weren't looking to initially, to go outside of the Roman uh, church at all. They simply wanted to reform what was there. There were moral problems, there were theological problems, and they hit it all with a full head of steam. There were a number. After, uh, I mean, we're, we're talking about a century later, that, that came out of the Reformation that said, uh, well, wait a minute, I'm not so sure that this Reformed theology is, is uh, really what the Scriptures teach. Among them, you're, you'll remember, coming out of the Dutch Reformed Church, was a man by the name of um, uh, Jacobus uh, Arminius, 
And he and his followers said, wait a minute, we're not, uh, we're not buying all of this stuff. And the, um, uh, his followers uh, uh, were, were called the, the Remonstrants. These were the, uh, the, the protesters objecting to the, the reformers' teaching. And they, they put forth a document. They said, this is, this is what we believe. It was in antithesis to the, um, the teaching of the reformers. And they said, um, we agree that man is depraved. But we don't agree. And this was their first point, as a matter of fact. We don't agree with this idea of God's election. We believe that God conditionally elects those. Specifically, God elects those who believe and repent. Now, every Christian is going to affirm the importance, I would hope, of faith and repentance. The remonstrants said that was the condition upon which God chooses his people. Those who believe, those who repent, those are the ones God says, I want those. The the reaction to that, uh, Senate of Dort, we've talked about that in the past. Uh, these guys came up and they said, wait a minute. <laughs> no. We, we believe the scriptures teach unconditional election. God chooses whom he chooses without condition. Certainly it's not because of their faith and it's not because of their good works. We've already demonstrated the, the, the scriptures are, are, are quite clear. Those things are important. But that is not the condition upon which God uses to decide who is going to be in his heaven. Now, Let's, 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 let's pause here a, a, a little bit and, and look at this idea. This is, this is not a novel idea. This is not something that these, these guys at, at some church synod uh, created. They pulled out of thin air. Oh, quite the contrary. It comes directly from the pages of Scripture. Now, let me have you first turn. You're still in Deuteronomy, maybe. Turn to chapter 10, Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10, find verse 14. Deuteronomy 10, 14. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it, Yet on your fathers, Moses is telling the Israelites, getting ready to go into the promised land. Yet on your fathers did the Lord set his affection to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, even you above all peoples, as it is this day. God says to these people, getting ready to go into the promised land, God chose your forefathers and their descendants 
let me let me just read this to you. Stay where you are in in, uh, in, in Deuteronomy, Exodus chapter thirty-two, uh, verse nine says this: The Lord says to Moses, "I have seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate people." Israel was um, a rebellious child, and yet. God chose them. On what condition? Because they were people of faith? (laughs) Because they were people of good works? No and no. No. God simply chose them from all the nations in the world that he might have chosen. He chose Israel. There wasn't anything virtuous there. When we get into the New Testament, um, and I, I put a, a handful of references in your notes, Matthew 24, Luke 18, Colossians 3, 1 Thessalonians 5. We have, uh, just a second, Matt. Um, we, we, ha- we have a number of, of uh, references in the New Testament to God choosing individuals for salvation. And the scriptures use the words um, uh, choosing uh, election, um, destining for salvation. And the same thing is true. As it was with the Israelites, God chooses people in the New Testament, just as he chose Israel in the Old Testament, not on the basis of their good works, not on the basis of their faith, not on the basis of their repentance, Now we know from Ephesians chapter 1 uh, that he chooses particular individuals and those names are written in the Lamb's book of life, Revelation 17. God chooses whom he chooses without condition. Matt, you got a question? Matt, that, that is a wonderful question. That's a very good question. And one that is, is, is frequently asked um, from the basis of what we looked at earlier, particularly in, in, uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 2, um, we, we know that an unsaved person does not want to be saved. Now, there may be those who want the benefits of heaven and they want their sins forgiven on their terms. Or they, they, they don't want to live in a really hot, 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 hot place all of eternity. Um, they're, they're looking for an escape from judgment, maybe. But... For those people who are willing to lay down their lives and say, God, do with me what you will. You are the sovereign. I am your slave. Those people, um, those are the people that would be genuinely saved. Um, And a person who, 
might might say they want to be saved, but um, um, if if they are genuinely people that want to be saved, they have already been renewed by God. They do make a choice. They do make a. Uh, they do believe. They do repent. But but all of that is something that happens to them as a gift from God. So so more point more directly to your question. Um, that person who chooses God says, "I want to believe." God will in no way cast them out. Never. Because we know that that person who says, yes, Lord, I believe, I want you, if, if that's genuine, that's a work that God has started in them, and he will always bring to completion what he starts. Make sense? Yeah. Let, let me give you a couple of, of uh, statements by uh, A.W. Pink uh, regarding this doctrine of unconditional election. He, uh, he, he writes this, quote, No doctrine is so detested by proud human nature as this one of God's sovereign unconditional election, which make nothing of the creature and everything of the creator. Yes, he continues, At no other point is the enmity of the carnal mind so blatant and hotly evident. While the truth of eternal punishment is the most objectionable to non-professors, that of God's sovereign election is the truth most loathed and reviled by the majority of those claiming to be believers. Unquote. He says in a different volume, the only reason why anyone believes in election is because he finds it clearly taught in God's word. No man, or number of men, ever originated this doctrine. Like the teaching of eternal punishment, it conflicts with the dictates of the carnal mind and is repugnant to the sentiments of the unregenerate heart. And like the doctrine of the Holy Trinity and the miraculous birth of our Savior, the truth of election must be received with simple, unquestioning faith. Does that mean that God wants us to be blind or unthinking? No. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. We are not going to be able to fully wrap our mind around why God does what he does. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My, my ways are higher than your ways, says the Lord. Now, what we can say is that there is a reason why God chooses whom he chooses. Let me show you where it is. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. 
Paul writes, the, the Lord has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ from all eternity. It is by God's pleasure that he chooses whom he chooses. Now, honestly, that's not very satisfying um, because I want, in my own, my own mind, my own flesh, I, I want there to be a more substantive reason. Uh, I've, I've, I've done this, I've accomplished this uh, uh, because of my character, because of all of that's blown away in the wind. Oh, that's nothing in God's eyes. He does choose, but it's according to his good pleasure, his own purposes, his grace. He extends as he so desires. Look with me at John chapter 10, please. John 10. I've told you before. Uh, this this is this is one of my. This is certainly in the the, the chap, one of the chapters in my top ten list, in uh, in all of the scriptures. I love John ten, uh, verse, um, um, verse twenty five. We'll get into this. What we what we need from uh, from Jesus' statement here, verse twenty five, John ten twenty five. Um, Jesus is responding to, to the question, how, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? Tell us if you're the Christ. And he says, I told you, and you didn't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify to me. So Jesus says, I gave you adequate information about who I am by means of the works that I've done. Following that, he says, verse 26, you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Now, those who were following uh, the Remonstrants uh, and uh, um, Arminius turn that verse around. And they say, look at verse 26. They say, well, you are not God's sheep. Because you have not obeyed, you have not believed, you have not repented. But that's not what the verse says. The verse says, you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Verse 27, Jesus amplifies what he says. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. So God, in his sovereignty, chooses, elects, without those whom he so desires to lavish his pleasure upon, and then they believe. Those who are his sheep hear his voice, put their trust in him, 
They believe. They repent. So faith is not the result. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to say it. I meant to say, faith is not the condition of me being chosen. Chosen. My faith is the result of being chosen. Make sense? All right. Um, a couple of passages of Scripture just to, to fill this out a little bit more. Um, you can just listen or you can follow along with me. I'm going to go kind of rapidly. Acts chapter 16 details um, second missionary journey. And at this point, he is in, um, in Philippi, and we read in verse 14 of chapter 16, a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabric, a worshiper of God, was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. She heard what Paul had to say, and God opened her heart to receive that. God enabled Lydia to believe. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. Uh, Paul wrote, It has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. It has been granted to you for Christ's sake to believe in him. Belief is something that results from God choosing who he draws to himself. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, we already looked at that. Um, by grace you are saved through faith, and that, that faith, is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, we should also give, always give thanks, Paul writes, uh, we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. God chooses, and then he brings about this faith. He brings about our salvation, and we enter into that process of sanctification. Repentance also is a gift of God. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 25 looks, uh, reads this way. With gentleness, correct those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, God grants repentance. It too is his gift. So the the, the, the remonstrance would, would, would say, well, God, God elects those, chooses those 
um, who meet the conditions, the conditions of faith and repentance. And the scriptures clearly teach that those are gifts by God. It's not something that we uh, conjure up within us. Acts chapter 13, verse 48. When the Gentiles heard uh, heard this, that, that uh, the, the, gospel, the gospel message was for them as well. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Not everybody in the crowd believed. But those who had been appointed unto eternal life believed. Now, it's entirely possible that there were some who walked away from Paul's preaching in, uh, um, in Acts 13. They walked away as unbelievers, and a week later, a year later, ten years later, they came to faith in Christ. Did they somehow miss the first bus but caught the second bus and, and they were now, now called elect? No. no. From eternity past did God choose those, whom would, those who would believe. Uh, but it doesn't always happen at our timetable. I've made mention of Marianne's grandfather many times many times, who uh, was in a coma the last two weeks of his life. The, um, the second to last week of his life, he was, uh, I'm sorry, he, he was in the hospital for the last two weeks of his life. His, he was in a coma the last week. The week prior, he was alert, cognizant, and asked his daughter, Marianne's mom, tell, tell me about Jesus one more time. Here he is, a man in his mid-90s who um, one of those, those deathbed professions of faith who came to faith. Did, did, did God uh, wait till the very end to, to choose him? No, that, assuming that he did, that was a genuine uh, you know, uh, profession of faith from, from, from him. Um, we, we go way back to eternity past when God says, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose this person Purely because of my good pleasure, I'm, I want to. I want to show mercy upon this man. Certainly not because he's he's going to uh, demonstrate great faith or do great things for me. No. As soon as he believes, he dies. No. But according to God's great mercy, um, let let me uh, give you a couple of statements uh, that summarize this doctrine. I put these in your notes. This is from the Westminster Confession of Faith. Um, Quote, By the decree of God for the manifestation of his glory, some men and angels are predestined unto everlasting life, and others foreordained to everlasting death. These angels and men, thus predestined and foreordained, are particularly and unchangeably designed and their number so certain and definite that it cannot be either increased or diminished. When God chooses, writes those names in his Lamb's Book of Life, 
it's, those, those names are not going to be erased. There's not going to be an addition to any other names as well. Last statement from uh, Westminster. Those of mankind who are predestined unto life, God, before the foundation of the world was laid, according to his eternal and immutable purpose and the secret counsel and good pleasure of his will, has chosen in Christ unto everlasting glory out of his mere free grace and love, without any foresight of faith or good works or perseverance in either of them or any other thing in the creature, creature as conditions or causes moving him thereunto. And all the praise to his glorious grace. I'll let uh, John Calvin uh, take us home with this last statement. Quote, We shall never be clearly convinced as we ought to be that our salvation flows from the, mercy, the fountain of God's free mercy till we are acquainted with his eternal election, which illustrates the grace of God by this comparison, that he adopts us, I'm sorry, that he adopts not all promiscuously to the hope of salvation, but gives to some what he refuses to others. Ignorance of this principle evidently detracts from the divine glory and diminishes real humility. Father, I thank you for our time together this morning and the awareness of your glory in full display. It is designed to make the creature deeply humble because we realize that there is absolutely nothing in us that would cause you to look on us with favor. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. Amen.